0: You're listening to a Why Now podcast.
1: This is Golden Nuggets podcast on whynow.co.uk. I'm your host Al and I'm a PE teacher of 15 years. This podcast is about interviewing key influencers in education and giving them a platform to deliver their story. I want to explore why and how they do what they do to better inform parents and pupils on their education journey. I'm here with Mary McBain. Hi, Mary, how are you?
0: Hello, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh,
1: that's great. How, uh, how's the travels?
0: Pretty good.
1: Yeah, flying over the pond?
0: <laughs> I did, yeah. But yeah. well, I got a whole row this time. All so oh, right, a whole row? Slept. Yeah, whole row.
1: Was, um, was it business class as well?
0: <laughs> no, I wish. No, no, economy. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Can't when you can lay out like you're on a bed, it feels yeah. like first class.
1: Well, thanks very much for coming. I know uh, it must have been <laughs> <laughs> pretty tough uh, with the jet lag as well. So yeah. uh, thanks for making it in this morning. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about the purpose of sex education. Um, so do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've done, and, uh, and specifically more about you know schools as well? So
0: yeah. So I've I've found myself working in this arena completely as a surprise. I don't think I expected to be doing this kind of work. Um, but two years ago, I wrote a short film in LA um, about consent, a comedy. Someone had asked me to write something for her to film and asked if there was anything on my mind and at that time it was consent um, and I, I then had to um, come back to England for a little bit so I made the film here and it's it's kind of snowballed since then so originally it was just going to be a short film about consent as a creative project and we'd probably put it on YouTube or something and then um, when we started making it then we decided to film it with an all-female crew and that sort of gained a bit of buzz around it because we had 23 women working on it. Wow. And that was such an incredible experience. And seeing everybody come together to make that film, I felt I needed to honour it in a different way because it was just such a magic experience. We did it in two days. The first shoot day was Valentine's Day last year. And then, so we did the 14th and 15th of February. Um, And then I wanted to screen it somewhere and somebody made a joke that I'd never get it to BAFTA. So then I thought, well, now I need to get it to BAFTA. (laughs) Right to the challenge. (laughs) So we screened at BAFTA in May. Um, And then someone said to me, well, what are you going to do after this? You can't just leave it at a short film. Um, And I I, I sort of hadn't seen past that. But then I started thinking, well, actually, this could maybe be a bit of a tool. I wonder if this could be used in schools. I wonder if this could be helpful and, you know, in a wider arena. But then when I started learning more about consent, I realised it's, it's such a massive subject. So I've been learning a lot the last year about what consent actually is and talking with amazing students and learning what they would like to know and, and they've been teaching me and vice versa. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not rambling on, but... I. Now it's become a lot bigger than I ever thought it was.
1: What's what's it called anyway, the the short film?
0: Well, right now you can find it, it's Spaghetti, Silence is Not Consent. And it's still currently on YouTube. Um,
1: And what was the main reason, I mean, was there anything that, you know, the reason, the purpose for it, the intentions for it?
0: Yeah, I had an experience um, in LA with somebody who I thought we were just going to be hanging out as friends and he had another idea about it and... Um, I, I didn't know him super well, but I kind of trusted him. Um, anyway, in the moment when, when things moved on, I froze and I didn't say no. And so we went through with it. And afterwards I was crying and he told me that I needed to get help because I was probably a bit crazy, but I knew that I was upset and really upset. And I'm, I, I've been through a fair amount of stuff. I can, I can, move through a lot of different things and I'm not someone that breaks down easily but after this thing with him after I couldn't stop crying for the next couple of days and I didn't understand why because there was no physical struggle at no point had I said no get your hands off me stop but I had frozen completely frozen and just gone quiet Um, and so afterwards I thought well I want to understand what happened because it wasn't He was definitely, he was making fun of me quite a lot in the moment, and like, it wasn't like a nice experience, but at the same time, it wasn't what you imagine rape or sexual assault to be. And so I asked him if he would meet me for coffee um, that following week, and we met up, and I think he thought it was an extension of what we'd been doing before. And when I said to him, look, I was really upset about what happened, and I I don't think that was right. And he said this is where I leave and stood up and got pretty mad and then again told me I really needed to get some help because at no point had I said the word no and therefore it was not a question of consent. But for me, I didn't say yes. And so that's when I started to get really interested in this area. I was angry, I was upset, I was really frightened. But yeah, he was right, I'd never said no. So was this a question of consent? And I had to go to a clinic and get tested and have like a full sexual health test And they asked me what had happened and I told them and they said I needed to report it to the police. But I didn't want to because I was scared and I thought that it was unfounded and it, and I I don't know, I couldn't really see, I couldn't really see why she go to the police about it. But then I've talked to another couple of guy friends and they've said no, if a girl goes quiet and freezes, that's pretty clear no.
1: So with, going back to the moment where obviously you froze, um, obviously, it must have been very traumatic for you. Is there, if you were to repeat that moment again and you were to explain how you were feeling, mm. what would you say to the guy?
0: Well, I think there was a moment when... So when I first met him, I thought he was just a really nice guy and he was really interesting. But then there was something. I had a gut feeling about him and I ignored it. And so hopefully now at this point if I got that gut feeling again I wouldn't have even gone on this this day trip with him. I I would have just listened to my gut and thought you know what that's my instinct telling me that something's not right and I probably shouldn't be hanging out with him anyway. So hopefully that but but if it had got to that I think now I don't I I'm at a place where I wouldn't need his validation or his approval and I would have just said no and I would have hopefully just moved out of the way. I don't really
1: with, with, in particular, him himself, though, mm. um, I think if we're going to talk about dialogue... Yes. Um, ..and we're going to talk about consent, um, we've got to look at sort of the issues around developing that mm. and educating people. Yeah. What exactly would you be educating kids who are in their adolescence now about dialogue?
0: About being really clear. So I think... A lot of what I do, I deflect with humour a lot in my life. And I do work a lot in comedy and now in stand-up, and I, I'm not very good at conflict. So I would I would usually start making a joke or making light of a situation. But I think it's really important on both sides of it to be really clear because I think a, over a space of ten years, this happened to me three times. And that's why I decided at this point I needed to do something different and and... and Really speak out and try to change things because the first time that it happened to me ten years ago, um, I did say no, but the guy told me that afterwards because he he messaged me the next day and said he had a great time. When could we do it again? And I wrote back and was like, D- "We? How do you think? How can you possibly think that last night was good?" I said no. I said no probably three times, and he said no. You said no in a sexy way. You were wrapping the covers around you, and and you weren't. It wasn't like a, a no get the heck off me it was you you we were flirting and I wasn't I was saying no but to him it wasn't clear enough so I think that in our minds we can assume that the other person can look beneath the tone of how we're saying something or read between the lines but in that moment when it's already a charged moment people aren't reading between the lines you've got mm. to be really really clear no I don't want to do this anymore or I'm you know I know that we've both found ourselves in this situation, but I've changed my mind. Mm. I'd like to go home now, or uh, we need to stop here or whatever it is, but I think you've you, whatever words you use have to be so clear and I think this the thing that I did with spaghetti well I was so keen not to not to victimize anybody and not to put blame on anybody because I do think that there's responsibility on both sides of things. I think on one side, we've got to be very clear if we've changed our mind, if we don't want to do it anymore. But on the other side, you've got to ask questions. You've got to check in with the person. Because if the guy, the last guy that it had happened with, with me, if he'd have said, hey, you okay? Do you still want to do this? Maybe that would have also given me an opportunity to even just shake my head. Or like, Mm. I felt like I lost my voice.
1: I think um, talking about like going quiet or Mm. freezing, um, in terms of that self-worth and confidence, mm. I think um, I think exploring that would be quite interesting. Yes. So th- there was a study uh, about recent divorce statistics and 42% of marriages in England and Wales divorce. Um, nearly one in five secondary school children have been severely abused or neglected in childhood. Uh, this is an NSPCC report that also reports that almost a million secondary school children have suffered from physical violence and neglect and forced sex. Um, it also found that 18.6 percent of the 11 to 17 year olds it spoke had been about hurt by a traumatic attack or neglect, and seven percent had been hit, kicked, beaten, or attacked with a weapon. And parents or guardians were responsible for more than half of the adult violence. So obviously, that's quite a hard-hitting report. Um, and I suppose, you know, if we're going to deep, if we're going to divulge into this, how do we therefore develop self-worth and confidence? For some of these children who have been in those situations. Mm.
0: Um, I, those are scary statistics. But mm. I know from, from my life, my parents split when I was nine. And now I don't remember anything ever being talked about it, really. Mm. I don't really have any recollection of any family members coming to speak to us. How are we doing? How are we finding it? Any of that. I think I pushed it all down and carried on. And then I think I took on a bit of a parent role. Um, so I think, I think you can't, I don't think you can make sure that each home provides a nurturing environment for for everyone to find their voice, but certainly in schools, certainly the work that, the kind of work that we do, if we can do anything that encourages people and children to speak out as they're going along, when they're not happy, when there's a problem, because I think there's a massive culture of not really sharing how you truly feel and not giving a voice to things. That stiff upper lip. I remember when my my grandmother died and my other grandma telling me not to cry because it would upset my grandma and but I wanted so badly to cry I was desperately sad but it's this it's this thing that we're taught no shove it down be quiet don't upset the other person don't offend the other person but I mean if you're going through things like the kind of statistics that you're reading you need to speak up about it but I don't think a lot of us know how
1: I think if we're going to... It's interesting that you mentioned the stiff stiff upper lip. Yeah. Um, Especially, like, growing up, you know, like, sex education in schools. What was it like for you? (laughs) What actually happened?
0: I don't... I don't remember loads about it. I remember a few different teachers. We had one teacher who was so embarrassed that she told us that she told us the page numbers in the textbook and if we wanted to go home and read them, that we could. And also she didn't believe... Oh, I can't remember. She, ha- she had a different belief system and it was something to do with not believing in evolution or... I can't remember what it was, but she wouldn't teach it and was also too embarrassed to talk about it. So we were told that we could go home and read it. And of course we didn't. I remember another class looking at slideshows of, like the womb and the fallopian tubes and things like that and like what an erection looks like but like the tubes and stuff like but I also then remember the first time I actually saw these things in real life and they don't look anything like the diagrams and I remember freaking out and going home and telling my mom I'd finally seen a penis but it like it looked wrong like what was the problem with it it was nothing like these drawings so these, I don't know how much these things help.
1: I mean, the, the, just the lack of information, though, growing up. I mean, I don't know about you, but like we had a banana and someone came in and said, this is how to put a condom on a banana. <laughs> and that was, like, pretty much it.
0: I think we had a cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what... I, mean, it was, I was like, <laughs> so...
1: This is it, is it? This, this is...
0: This is the bit. This
1: is it. That's my whole sex education, not about dialogue or consent or about building relationships or, or pleasure or pleasure that or none being of a nice it. thing. Yeah, you know. that
0: it can be good. And this is a, I mean, the thing is, too, that you see these teachers standing up in front of the classroom and they are dying of embarrassment. And I, the, some of the students that I talked to, they were like, we don't want to think about our teacher having sex. That is so uncomfortable to us. Mm. So as soon as they get up there and they start talking about sex, we shut off. Mm. And where I've been going in and talking to these students, but I'm not their teacher. I'm, I'm, I can go in and be somebody that they don't really know. They don't know loads about. But I'm, i I'm, pretty good at talking to anybody, and I don't really get that embarrassed about stuff. So it's been a very easygoing kind of a, a conversation.
1: And th- let's talk about like today as well, mm. like. How, what's changed from t- from the past in the last say 10 20 years what what's actually been happening in terms of with how sex people... education well no in terms or... of like how people form relationships
0: well a lot of it's social media now it seems and dating apps I I was on a dating app a few years ago and it was so overwhelming I felt like I was in a supermarket of men like and you get this thing if if the profile isn't perfect you just swipe and there's another one and so it I found I hated it. I hated it.
1: What did perfect look like to you, though?
0: Well, it, you I it? never saw it. I don't really know what it was that I was looking for. I did find it quite funny. A lot of the guys were holding a baby on the profile. Like at least one of their pictures was them holding a baby, and then always like a little addendum at the bottom, like "FYI, this is my niece." <laughs> like. So, as a woman, you need to see that a guy can hold a baby because something about our hormones are going to be like, you! <laughs> when they always had to put a little thing, not my kid, but I can hold a baby. <laughs> That whole thing was oh. just ridiculous. Oh, that's brilliant.
1: Pretty... Was... I can hold a baby. That'll, that'll nail it.
0: That'll nail it. I don't
1: it. need to say anything else.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> the first couple that you see, you're like, oh, that's, they're about children. They're but about... then when you've seen like the 20th, the 30th person holding a baby, you're like, oh, this is a tactic. <laughs> like...
1: That is crazy. I mean, I never really, I think I was I was already with someone at the time and and so it sort of passed me, but... You know, I think that is something that as well, like online as well, like, I mean, I know the the porn industry, for example, like porn is just rife everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that is obviously a big problem.
0: And the type of porn, you're not seeing, there was a, a girl called Arnie Baker, she's in LA that I've just been meeting with, and we might try to collaborate on something. But she's made a documentary called Who's Your Teacher? And it's a lot with adult film stars. Because they are getting overwhelmed with questions from teenagers and young people asking them about sex and what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it. And is it normal to want to do these things? And they're like, these films aren't for you. You're not the ideal demographic. We're not supposed to be teaching you. And so she's done this whole documentary with um, with these adult film stars. And they're saying like, it's called "Who's Your Teacher" because it's like, well, who's who's? Te- why on earth are you learning about sex from porn? Like you might you might choose to have that style of sex, but that it's. I think it's influenced. There were some of the girls that I was speaking to that are so nervous to have sex because they think that they've got to do it in the way that they do in the in these porn films. Mm. But a lot of it is looks like rape.
1: Yeah, I mean, where do you even start with that? I mean, that's. I think. The, Yeah, I mean, if that's what they're actually doing and watching and being influenced by, then, um, you know, maybe there's also a responsibility for the adults at home to control the filters that are going on in the Wi-Fi. But then again, if they're on the phone in 4G, then how can you stop it? You
0: can't, or at least have a conversation and be like, Mm. you're probably seeing this stuff, but this isn't what all sex has to look like. Actually, sex with love, sex where both people are enjoying it, is probably still good sex. and a lot of these, these films that, the, that are being watched, the woman looks genuinely in pain, genuinely scared, tied up. And again, this is a style of sex you might want to explore, but it's not what you have to do. And I think, and I was also talking to some guys too, that they're feeling like, that they have to be like that in the bedroom as well. That if they're soft and gentle and talking to the girl and being loving, that, there's some, that they're not stepping up as a guy. Which I so I think the whole thing's getting pretty confusing.
1: Yeah, I mean that. That sounds. It, what I find interesting is is the sex education on Netflix, right? Mm. So a lot of people have probably watched it.
0: Yeah, I've totally binged watching um,
1: it. And each of those characters, if we just quickly whiz through them, so Maeve Wiley, she's a trailer park mum's a druggie, dad's mm-hmm. not around. Eric's uh, gay. He's a Christian. His family find it difficult mm. f- to accept who he is. Um Otis, his dad ran away. Mum was a sex therapist, so there's a lot of neglect there. He has a resentment for his dad. Adam Groff, whose dad who's headmaster, mili- a bit of a so, bully. Bit of bully, military. He's now actually probably gay um by the end of that second series, um, but never realised it. Um Jean, the mum, obviously, of, of Otis. Uh, Amy Gibbs, who was the promiscuous girl who whose parents were never around, hosting all those parties. And Jacob, who's the Scandinavian dad, was a single-parent dad, lost his wife. Mm. Jackson had two mums, the school jock, um, but then wanted to pursue an acting career rather than swimming because he'd been forced down that route. Um, There's there's a common theme there. There's a lot of neglect going on and the impact for the children's lack of ability to communicate and hence why Otis was providing that service because he found there's a niche in that market
0: yeah, and then his mum
1: came in to find that there's a niche, and actually, I thought it just
0: they they do very well at covering the whole gamut of subject matter. I think, mm. and do they do it really well? And a very it seems very realistic. Not that English schools look the way that.
1: I mean, it was a hybrid, wasn't <laughs> it? It was a hybrid between like a US slash UK set in South Wales. Yeah. So
0: apparently, it was because they a lot of. TV shows, when they show English schools, they look very depressing and grimy and gritty. And they wanted to use what, in America, they seem to make it, it looks great, it glorifies it, it's colourful, it's it, it's exciting. They wanted to put that feeling into this school
1: mm.
0: that these kids go to. But they, they do do very well at, at, at addressing these subjects. And I think that also comes back to the kind of style of... So, I feel like still it's very biological, the sex education that we're getting, whereas here they they do it in a a completely different way where they touch on lots of different subjects, but not through diagrams. Because I think that's the thing, too, like in the moment, I think lots of people or most people know what a condom is, Mm. but you're also at the same time in the moment, you're not thinking about the diagrams and, you know, what what the fallopian tubes are and what the ovaries are. That doesn't come into your mind. And yeah, that's an interesting thing to learn and understanding the anatomy of your body is important. But this this TV show, and I think the way that we need to start addressing it is in the real life way. Like how people are actually interacting, what... I think we need to talk about sex in a a much more relaxed way because good sex is great. And sex where both people are comfortable with each other and confident with each other, it's fun. It should be fun. But it also can be really embarrassing. There's weird noises. Things look weird. Like it's not. Things don't look like they do in porn most of the time. And our bodies aren't always like that. And I think learning that that's all not like all of it is fine. It's all normal. But being with a partner that you that you can talk to, it, I think is going to make the whole experience better. And not feeling like. I was talking a lot with the girls about needing to be validated by somebody else, to be validated by a guy. And I keep going off on so many tangents, but my, I get so excited about this subject. But one of the things that I was thinking was that if, you, if you're if you too scared to say no to a guy because he might not like you, or, or vice versa, to a girl, because they might not like you, they're probably, and they, they might be rude about you for saying no or call you a prick tease or, or whatever else, or slut shame you, They're probably not someone you want to be intimate with anyway, and it's probably not going to be a great experience. If you're not even at a point with that person where you can be like, no, I don't want to, or I want to do this, or can you do this to me, or whatever it is, you want to be comfortable with them. So it's all this stuff that I think is so important. And I think being able to speak up to somebody or, or, or... honour what you want or, or have dominion over your own body comes back again to this feeling of self-worth and self-confidence. Because I don't think I had that for the longest time. I had no self-worth, very little self-confidence. And I think that really fed into the fact that in those moments I I, I didn't have a voice.
1: I think going back to, like, perfectionism as well, in terms of you were saying originally about them wanting to be someone online. Mm and like creating their own avatar. Yeah. Of a perfect them. Mm-hmm. And then the effect that that has on their relationship when they actually finally meet them in person?
0: Because it's not real. And I know I'm guilty of it too on my Instagram. I would post, you know, only the good pictures or I don't, and I lately I I spoke to um a sex therapist recently who we've been working with on the spaghetti project. And I asked her because I've stopped posting online because I'm embarrassed because I've gained over a stone in weight and I couldn't really understand why I'd put so much weight on and I'd lost my body confidence and all this kind of stuff. And I think this this feeds into the severity of the consent thing too because she said it's quite normal after someone's experienced a sexual assault to to gain weight or to do things that make you feel... Um, that asexualize you or let, make you feel less sexy so i've I've stopped posting recently because i I'm embarrassed and I feel like I'll lose my followers if I'm not this shiny version of me, but it's across the board that we're doing that, all these filters, all these like having to look like you're hashtag blessed, living your best life, all this stuff. and I think it's even going down into the schools and into the into the teenagers, which again is feeding into this thing that you're you're trying to uphold this. Idea of who you want to be, of who you want to present. But yeah, when you get into it,
1: yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because how what how does your relationship change with social media, and how does it affect your self confidence? Mm. You know I... I mean, if you look at like Twitter nowadays mm. and the Twitter shaming that's going on, like a lot of people are just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm I've given up.
0: Yeah, I'm leaving I'm, it.
1: I'm leaving it. Don't need the followers because my followers would be there anyway.
0: Yeah, but the. <laughs> it's different in, I guess, in different, so in the world, and I've moved into more writing and producing more recently, rather than, than the acting side of things. But I know for us, we, when you go for a commercial audition, you've got to have a certain number of followers. Like if, if you're down to just a couple of people, they'll choose the one who's got the highest social media following. You're supposed to have 100,000 followers, really, to be an influencer. I've got 30,000, so I'm a micro-influencer, which doesn't mean anything. But it's, it's this whole bizarre, like, scoring system that we've got now. But it's not true. And none of those people really know me.
1: No. Why do you think they follow you?
0: Well, because I'm Little Miss Jolly on there. And I think I was always doing posts of me laughing and doing... I mean, it's quite a relaxed profile. But I think a lot of the times I, did, I was putting forward this shiny version of my life and the pictures of me on the red carpet and things like that. But actually, at that time, it was right after this thing had happened. And inside, I was really sad. But you would never know it.
1: No. Tell me about um, a story when you've... Because it's quite interesting to know about what current day dating's like. Mm. So tell me about a time where you've been on a date with someone through a dating app. And just talk through it, if you feel comfortable, obviously, with it.
0: Yeah, it's been a while. But that one... What was I on? Did, you, did um, you go
1: out with someone that held a baby? Did you actually do that? <laughs>
0: no, I didn't go for any of the baby holders. I didn't.
1: <laughs> is, that, is that your... That, that's,
0: <laughs> that was a lie. Yeah, non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. I'm not doing that. <laughs> right. I went on a date with someone who on their profile looked like Ryan Gosling. All right. But then in real life, they did not.
1: And, like, and So, okay, so <laughs> we sit down, right?
0: Yeah, we we well, bantered a bit. And having good banter is very important to me with somebody because I think you've got to... You want to have a, have good fun and jokes with somebody. We talked a bit back and forth. In his profile, he looked really interesting, well traveled. Um, his conversation was really good, and I got there and and not the Ryan Gosling thing is very superficial. Uh, being attracted to someone is a part of it, but there was a whole thing that I thought he was going to be really fun.
1: But you, but you went on a date because he looked like Ryan Gosling, just to start off with.
0: Oh, originally I did swipe right on his profile <laughs> because of that, probably. Who okay. doesn't like Ryan Gosling? But um, yeah, when I got there, no, it was like that picture had been taken six years ago, and um, it, he, there was no conversation at all, like not even a tiny bit.
1: Well, he had no chat.
0: No chat. At all. And even the bartender noticed. And he came over kind of trying to rescue us a little bit.
1: Did you go out with the bartender?
0: No, I, I think I, I left pretty quick. I probably should have stayed and like, asked for the bartender. <laughs> that would have been mean. I wouldn't have done that. No, I texted my friend under the table. like, how long do you have to stay? And she's like, at least until you finish your first drink.
1: First drink. Is yeah. that the rule?
0: Apparently that's Apparently. the rule, yeah. So we both finished our first drinks. And, I mean, there was just nothing. It was... We got on so well on paper and on our profiles. But then, in, yeah, in real life, there was absolutely nothing there.
1: Because I suppose if we're going to talk about, like, sex education mm. and offering advice to kids. Yes. Actually, we've talked a lot about relationships. Yeah. And we've lo- talked a lot about forming relationships. Yes. And your self-confidence and self-worth yeah. along the liners of it. And then when you get to a stage where you're then thinking, right, I like this person. I've known them. We've gone past if you want to call it base one, you've kissed. And Mm. so there's a physical, there's there's an emotional connection.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think it's then consent comes into it afterwards because then that's that next step of like, where do you go from here? Yeah. But actually, I think before all of this, a lot of the problems have stemmed from forming that initial relationship. And how does social media compared to say previously, where it would literally just be what going out to a nightclub or a bar or mm. a friend's party, where you meet friends of friends? Yeah. And then you met, you read signs and signals a lot clearer, and you you narrow down exactly what you do like. Yeah. A lot quicker, whereas on social social media, all these dating apps, like you could probably spend hours, and unlike you've experienced.
0: Well, and there's just. I think for the reason why I'd left the whole dating app thing was because it, it it was so overwhelming. And like you said, what did perfect look like to you? I don't know. But I just know that each time I looked at a profile, it didn't quite match up to whatever idea it was in my head. And I, you were just... But it was like a full supermarket, right? So you could just keep swiping. And I think it makes this whole... Everything feel even more disposable, even more replaceable. Like if someone's literally not hitting every possible criteria... We'll swipe on to the next thing, and I think it's I think it's lessening the importance of real human connection too. Don't if think you? If healthy. you
1: spend your life looking down at your phone, mm. which I do apparently four and a half four hours and thirty four minutes on average last week, average. Right. Okay. which is a lot. Um, I think
0: I'm more.
1: I mean, it, th- th- that's it's quite worrying. Yeah. You think that you're spending four hours, 34, looking down at a phone. I'm not looking at you and reading your facial expressions of whether you're engaged with me, whether you're smiling at what I say, yeah. or whether you're slightly anxious or angry, or, or all of those emotions that you read from from someone. Mm. You're not doing. Yeah. And actually practising that comes with practising doing it yeah. rather than being on your phone.
0: Yeah, and, and also I was finding that I my alarm was on my phone. So every morning I'd wake up, I'd turn the alarm off and go on Instagram. And so by the time you even got out of bed, everyone else has got a better life than you and looks better <laughs> and is thinner and travels more and has more money and all these things. But I don't know, I've just gone off on yet another tangent. but um, I, it, it, you can spend so long just scrolling through Instagram without actually just picking up the phone and making a phone call or hang. Like, well, I was in a restaurant the other night, and there was a mum and dad and the two kids. And they were there for quite a while, and not once did they talk to each other. Yeah, each mean... person was on, the, the two little girls had, um, the, the littlest one had an iPad, the next one had a phone, and then the mum and dad were both on their phones. Mm. It was so sad. And then finally, the dad paid the bill, put away his phone, and was like, ready, everyone? And they left. And I was like, this is crazy.
1: But I, I also worried that the new generation are getting their information from their phones. Mm rather than their experiences yeah. of actual personal experience of meeting people. Now obviously with a lot of schools now they're banning phones throughout the day. Oh, okay. Um, which is a positive move. Hmm. Um, but again, you know, how restrictive you know, are they allowed to use it at lunchtime and break time? Are they allowed to, you know, do they use it at night time? Do they watch stuff before they go to bed? Do they scroll on Instagram just before they go to bed? What, how does the light affect their brains? Yeah, There's all lots, of this you know. and
0: our eyesight. And what do we need? I mean, I got my first phone at 15.
1: Knock your 30 teeter, if you're asking.
0: <laughs> what was, I had a Bosch phone. The brick. Sorry. The brick. I had the a bright brick. orange Bosch yeah. phone that was like this big and very heavy. Um, but yeah, fifteen. And really, I suppose all you need is when you're out and about to be able to call home and let them know where you are.
1: Did you have a pager?
0: I did, and I wasn't allowed a pager. Allowed
1: a pager. I remember
0: one of the guy friends we used to hang out with, someone called Laurie. He had a pager, mm. which I thought was so cool. He used to wear it on his belt, yeah. and his mum texted him when it was dinner time. Do <laughs> <laughs> you imagine now, a pager on his horse belt. Yeah, yeah you know, got to my... go home.
1: <laughs> Mum's calling. <so. laughs>
0: We Result? weren't allowed it. We weren't allowed anything. Cool. No. Not fair.
1: Imagine you're on a date, right? You're 18. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Times calling. Yeah.
1: So, sorry about that. Gotta next, go. Next
0: date. <laughs> next. <laughs> yeah, I, it's becoming really weird, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I remember when I was in Atlanta a few years ago, and I was teaching, and two of the kids came to the class, and they were like, they were in, like in disgrace. And I, after a while, I was like, are you two okay? You're not like your normal selves. But they'd got caught sexting each other. And they were like 13 or something. I'm not sure if a picture had been exchanged. I don't know. But I feel like that's pretty common. Like with Snapchat, you know, when people were mm. were sending each other naked pictures and things. And yeah. then it being shared around school.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's... And that's the whole problem with social media, isn't it? But um, I think it's sort of, you know, like we've discussed, like you can draw upon like all the negatives and all the rest Mm. of it. But I suppose for this, it's more about how can we inform kids of the future about preparing them better for relationships um, and then the positive messages that we can give them so that we don't make it this daunting, horrible thing. Yeah. Um, and let's not just talk about the physical side, which only schools really, you know, I know schools are progressing now and they're talking more about the background stuff, but actually with, it's a lot about emotional connection, isn't it? And so what can we give advice now? Yeah. That we can go, look, if, I'm gonna, if you're going to give advice to the pupils of tomorrow, you've got three points to give, what would you say?
0: Oh, crikey
1: on the spot
0: well I think one of the things is accepting accepting the way things are now right we're not going to get rid of Instagram we're not going to get rid of Facebook so encouraging people to be honest about what they're putting out there I think like you were saying learning to have open dialogue open conversations I think I would talk a lot about the gut instinct I think that's a strange thing to try to teach but we all have a gut instinct we all have that feeling of you know if you're a when I was little I think I must have been five or six we had a teacher that said if you ever do something that you can't go home and tell your mum about then you probably shouldn't be doing it so I just told my mum everything but like when you were about to do something wrong you had a gut feeling about it you knew oh I shouldn't be doing this so harnessing that learning about that and then also not not being shy about talking about what you want what you like because that's going to make a better experience too. That's not three points, but the th- what were the three points? Three be? words,
1: Barry might be so. honesty,
0: honesty, being honest. To yourself. Yeah,
1: being kind to others,
0: valuing yourself, valuing what what you really want. Okay, which is hard, but learning how to do that. I, yeah, I keep thinking being true to yourself. Being true to yourself.
1: Okay, being honest, being true.
0: But then being true to yourself—that's a process, isn't it? Mm. Like, learning to listen to yourself spending time on your own spending time mm. in silence not just on your phone but being with yourself I mm. think is important um what else should I say I don't know it's hard because there's so many things spend less time on your hard. phone yeah I'm so guilty of that I don't even want to look at what my <laughs> average is I think I was already on Instagram today like on the way here but
1: why don't you try and talk to someone you don't know each day
0: That would be a cool thing to do, wouldn't it? Try and
1: interact with someone that you don't know on the street, in your community, get to know them.
0: Yeah, or in your school. Yeah, like you said, in your community, go outside of your usual bubble.
1: Because that way you'll, that's what happens, isn't it? When you meet, when you try and find someone new Mm. and you find to make, you know, make a new relationship with them, you've got to go through all that process.
0: Yeah. And... I agree. I think that's a really nice... One. I, I guess I did that with the taxi driver today. I talked to him a little bit. Actually, I was trying to practice. <laughs> he was like, what are you doing today? And I was like, well, I'm going to talk about consent and sex education. <laughs> what did he From, say? I, it was a bit uncomfortable after a while, because he was talking about puberty and, like... I still find the word puberty so uncomfortable and all the words associated with it. I don't think that helps very much.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really bad, isn't it? Puberty, I, I just think of the word pubes.
0: I know. And, even and it's bad, isn't it? I d- I d- you
1: know, but then, you know, why should we, why should that be an issue? I don't know.
0: Well, I suppose because you're not like, especially for women, you're not supposed to have pubes aren't because you? <laughs> if you're supposed to look like a porn star, all <laughs> oh, this stuff, <laughs> there was, um, I asked one of my friends today, who's a sex, he does sex education, goes around schools. And I was like, what do you think is the problem? And how do you think it, what do you think needs to change? And he said a lot of the students that he asks says it's too little, too late, and too biological. That it's, you know, it, and I, I do, I think you have, yeah, like we were saying earlier, you've got to teach the science of it because understanding that. But like even periods and stuff, it's still embarrassing. I'm 35 and I'm mortified when I have to go in and buy like pads and tampons. I hate it. I always have to add other stuff into the basket so I'm not just going to the checkout with those things. But every single woman in the world get, well, I'm sure there's some ex- Exceptions, but pretty much every single woman in the world has this, almost every month for however many years. Why is it still embarrassing?
1: Yeah, I, yeah, why is that? I mean, I'm obviously not a female, but I, I'd never. I have don't to do know. That, but... It feels
0: like there's so much shame about it. Like you've got to hide it, and God forbid ever, anyone knows that you're on your period. We used to call it secondary school. We used to call it your birthday. Like we would say, "Oh, it's my birthday," and. Do you have a present? Meaning, like, if you've if you got your period and you forgot to bring a pad with you to school, you'd ask people for a present so that the boys wouldn't know you were on your period. Like it was mortifying. Wow. Yeah, and it, I don't know. And then, like, I remember it when I was at university, and there was this this kid or a kid guy, whatever. And he was he, he was in our friendship group, and him and this girl were were getting it on, and they were making out on the dance floor, and he asked her to come back and and. He, she said to him, oh, you can't because the painters are in. And then <gasps> he came back and he was like, wow, they work late. Like, why are the <laughs> decorator still at her house? It's like <laughs> two in the morning. We were like, no, she's got a period. On, yeah. Well, like, Aunt Flo's in town. Uh, Just uh, Aunt Flo. Uh, or like, uh, I can't, or it's the time. And everyone gets so embarrassed about it. And but is it the fact that we
1: have to say that? Do you know what I mean? Like... People feel uncomfortable so they have to use a phrase Mm. to be politically correct or to to be the British thing, isn't it? Of not being so direct with things because it's And not making other people
0: uncomfortable. Yeah. Like right now I'm in a room with two men and I've just said the word period and now I feel guilty. I'm like, oh, I hope I haven't like said anything that's embarrassing. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. I d- and I think all this stuff about shame and embarrassment about your bodies, about all this, I think it feeds into everything. So that by the time you actually get to the moment of cons- of consent, of sex, of the whole thing, it's so uncomfortable. Like all the... I, I think that we should be able to... I mean, there's, I don't know how much you can teach and, and whatever, but I think letting like we were saying earlier like understanding that certain things that your body does is normal like a lot of women get PMS it's normal mm. like it's i don't know why it's it's still such a shock
1: but i think normalizing it ultimately does allow it to be comfortable to talk about yeah so hence why like in sex education for example the netflix series yeah there was lots of gay relationships, and so lots of gay kissing on there, and so they're trying to normalise it. Mm-hmm. That is something that happens, which is great. Yeah. And so it's you know for the kids coming through the system now, they'd be like, so what if some two guys are kissing or two yeah. girls are kissing? Doesn't matter. Why is it such a big deal? Whereas, maybe possibly when we were growing up, you didn't. Oh, it wasn't really on television, so it wasn't normalised. So then when you saw it,
0: definitely queer as folk. Do you remember that queer TV as folk? Yeah. I re- I found out years later because I used to love watching that show. But I used to, I had a TV in my room and I watched it on the, the lowest volume possible, just the one bar of volume, and I sat right close to the TV and like holding the remote so in case my mum walked in, I could change the channel. But well, I later found out that she was downstairs watching the same TV show on the lowest volume possible, but neither of us would admit that we were watching What's it. Watching no. And like everyone in school was watching it, but no one's really, like, I don't know, it felt taboo. Whereas mm. now, it shouldn't be.
1: No. Well, look, um, we're going to probably have to end it there. But, um, quick, yeah, I, I can't believe how quick that's gone. So thank, <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for coming on. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been enlightening, definitely. And we've had very good uh, sort of it's gone up, it's gone down, it's yeah. gone serious, it's gone funny. Um, Covered
0: all the subjects, But I
1: think, yeah, as long as we try and normalise these things. And we're saying what are the three things? Be honest. Honest.
0: True to yourself. And, uh, and. What? How do you even, what word can you choose for that last one about knowing that stuff's normal, being comfortable, being...
1: don't know, what do you reckon, though?
0: Creating real know. relationships? But I don't know.
1: Authentic relationships? Yeah,
0: maybe. Authenticity? Authentic. Yeah, but now we're just sounding a bit like...
1: Yeah, a bit cliche.
0: Wanky.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: I don't know. We'll just leave
1: it with two.
0: We get, well, whoever's listening, what would your three things uh, Yeah, be? what would your three things
1: be? <laughs> let us know I think why it's our, hashtag why in our world so to, let us know yeah. <laughs> thanks
0: very much thank you